Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raptor Views brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. You guys already know the deal. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. I am here with... Louis Zatzman himself to discuss some uh, Raptor improvements, some internal improvements from the Toronto Raptors. Louis, how are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. It's so good to join you. How are you? I'm great. I've, I've been wanting to have you on throughout the regular season. We just haven't been able to have time to really connect here. Yes. I uh, really do appreciate all of the work you do. So thank you for joining me. All right. So yesterday, guys, I had Daniel Hackett on and we discussed a lot of we discussed our rookies, but we also discussed a lot of free agency, including terms. So if you're one of those people who is like, what is an MLE? What does that mean? What's a biannual exception? What are people talking about? We go into all of that. And we also discuss the options that the Raptors have to improve, which to most people's non-happiness um is not a lot they don't have a lot of options at least through free agency now trades and things like that are different so Louis, what i have you here to talk about is some of the internal improvements because i think there's going to be a lot of that you might not necessarily improve by getting a free agent i do think what the raptors did in the off season or in the draft by getting Coloco will definitely help because we needed to drop big and you needed someone who could play some spot minutes as a starter. Hopefully, I don't think that that we're going to throw that out. Who knows how he fits? And you also needed some floor spacing and they got that with Ron Harper Jr. But besides the new guys and what they can bring, I want to talk about the players on the team first. Mm. So, question to you, and we'll start with this here. Is... Do you think Justin Champagne comes back? And if so, what would you like to see from him this season? Okay, so uh, great question. And I think this is probably between external or internal improvement. This is probably the more likely uh, path, the the more realistic path to taking big steps forward. Uh, And Champagne, because you very kindly let me know a few of the questions in advance. And Champagne was the guy that I wanted to talk about. He was the name I really focused on. So amazing that you asked about him first. To me... Well, I'm going to start with Katie, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, between Durant and Champagne, I'd say Champagne probably uh, the better, no, the more likely improver. So uh, he will be competing for minutes with guys like Svi, uh, Yuta Watanabe, if they bring him back, but also Ron Harper Jr., you know, that sort of shooting wing position. And last year we saw Champagne have some ridiculous um, success. He, you know, he led the team in on-off rating, which is um, not that important for a guy who doesn't play a ton. It's just like there's a lot of noise into it. it it's not that um He wasn't the best player. Let's just put it that way. But it meant he did a lot of good things on the floor. You know, he had that OKC game where he won the game twice. He had that catch and up and under and then the tip in uh, that didn't count. And they actually lost the game. But he, of all the guys, I think, showed real promise for future rotation minutes. And I would imagine he is a guy who could step into an 8, 10, 12 minute per game role. And the improvement doesn't need to be substantial. We're going to talk about a lot of guys. Shooting will be the probably the word we say most. Everyone has to get better at shooting. That's normal. Uh, so Champagne really, most of all, has to get better at corner three-point shooting. He was pretty solid at it in the G League. There's reason to think he could be a, an average corner three-point shooter, you know, starting next year. Not anywhere else, probably just the corners. But most of all, you know, he was already a productive offensive player as a rebounder, um, you know, he, he made quick decisions, which even if you don't do anything well, will still help you stay on the floor. And he was a really solid defender. He, you know, he guarded bigs, wings, guards, whatever. He just, he battled, he fought good feet. 
And so all he really needs to do is be more consistent. That's true of all young guys, but he has stuff that can help the team already. It's just, an, you know, it's just, can he stay on the court? Because we know it'll help them. Can he be there? I, I really like that you said that, and I really do appreciate that. And Justin Champagne is the person that I really wanted to start with because he kind of does feel a little bit like an addition because the Raptors didn't get so much of him last season. And I think someone that everyone here is really excited about the growth and what they can be is Delano Banton. I'd love to spend some time talking about Delano Banton just from the first minute that he stepped on the court in that first game. What was it like a, a three-quarter length shot that he yeah. hit right away? Um, so much fun and changes the pace. I think the Raptors probably want to see him run some more. What are your thoughts on, on what you would like to see him improve and what his role can be on the team next season? Yeah, so to me, defense has to improve a lot. There was a, a really uh, a widely shared clip that a lot of people early on in the season, a lot of people panned Chris Boucher for closing out to someone and then going in the other direction. And they gave up an open three. It wasn't actually Chris Boucher's fault. It was Delano Benton who was Xing out in the wrong direction. I uh, his defense. Yeah, I'm sure um, his defense was um, really, really problematic for the team. Like I would say he was the worst defender on the Raptors last year. Uh, and he had high highs. I mean, he's super long. He just, he made the wrong choices a lot. And as Raptors fans, we're used to that. We watched Boucher when he was young. You know, we watched Marta Rosen for a long time. We're used to people making the wrong choices. It looks um, subtle sometimes. It's not ob as obvious as a guy who gets dunked on or as a guy who, you know, gets blown by. Because um, he was fine when he was in the right spot. He just often wasn't in the right spot. And, you know, similar to Champagne, he has cool stuff. Another great offensive rebounder. He pushes pace. He had some games where he just buzzed passes around the arc and he made the half court kind of look like transition because he was just so funky and wiry. But man, if he can't just play at least average defense, which is a huge jump, then I really doubt he will see real time for the team. I think that's very fair. Now, someone else I think that, that people are going to be really clamoring to have play is a guy like Malachi Flynn. Um, so what do you think the Raptors can theoretically expect from Malachi Flynn? And do you think he'll be a part of the rotation? Because, I mean, Fred can't play 48 minutes a night. Well, uh, he shouldn't, let's say. Uh, Malachi... <laughs> Don't take my bet, Nick Nerd. Yeah. Uh, Malachi, I would say... So my priors, I don't think he really has a future with the Raptors. I think most, I think he is an NBA player. He'll probably end up on another team, uh, second draft candidate guy. The Raptors run, you know, the read and react offense is, is really not a good fit for him. Uh, so for him to fit in, it, he has to be a better off ball mover because, and we saw this with Lorenzo Brown. Um, this is going to be sort of a side story. Uh, my Wait. first credentials uh, we're with the G League. And I spent two years, you know, going every G League game. And and for a long time, I didn't really know how to judge talent that was like slightly below the NBA level. And I was like, oh, Lorenzo Brown is dominant. You know, he won MVP. He was so good in the G League. I was like, this guy should be an NBA player for sure. And I just didn't quite understand that you can be really good at something. But in the NBA, you're always going to have teammates better than you at that thing. So unless you can offer other things, and, and Lorenzo Brown, just he wasn't a shooter, he wasn't a cutter, you know, he didn't make those connective passes. And so without being allowed to dominate the ball, he just couldn't help an offense. And I think Malachi Flynn is in a similar spot. You know, he's sure he's a fine shooter. He's, he's actually better than fine as a pick and roll passer and a very good defender, much like Brown was, but if he can't offer something when other people are running the show, he just can't play because there's always going to be someone better at running the show. Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, one of them has to be running the offense at all times, right? That's just, no, that's not going to be Malachi's job ever. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's incredibly fair. And we kind of touched on some of the guys that might be towards the end of the bench, guys that might see some time. I mean, I don't know with Malachi Flynn necessarily, but guys who might see some time with the G League as well next season. Um, and that, you know, we'll, we'll get into some some more of those guys, but I do want to sort of take a pause because we were initially going to start off by talking about Kevin Durant and <laughs> Kyrie Irving. And I think it's time to bring them up before we okay. move forward to, to the starters and, and some of the um, starter level bench players, because mm -hmm. that's kind of what the Raptors have been doing since, Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka split in time there. So my hopes, my dreams for Kevin Durant 
have been slashed and have gone away. Um, but yeah. um, I didn't, okay, so I'm going to be honest, everybody who like keeps asking me, did I actually think they were going to get Kevin Durant? No, I didn't think that they were going to get Kevin Durant, but it's fun. It's fun to dream because I didn't think they were going to get Kawhi Leonard and somehow that happened. So <laughs> I want to ask you, I want to talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. First of all, mm-hmm. what is your thoughts on the entire mess of the situation that is Brooklyn? Yeah, I think they are, um, this might be a very uh, like Katie Heindel way to approach it. But I think they are in a tension between expecting themselves to be more than a basketball team and then finding themselves to be just a normal basketball team. And when your expectations are so dramatically different from reality, that can cause all sorts of different responses. I'm sure she would have said it a million times better than me. Katie's um, brilliant, but I do appreciate a basketball feeling. I do. Yeah. They just, you know... Uh, Durant and Kyrie are undoubtedly two of the most talented basketball players of all time. Like there's no, there's just no argument. They're just, they are art watching them play basketball and they just haven't been able to win games. It is so bizarre and they haven't been able to come to terms with that either. It seems like I don't talk to them about it, but from the outside, that is what it looks like. And so we've seen all sorts of different responses wanting to leave for $30 million less. Uh, and they're going to come to grips with it. This season will always be fun because their approaches, their responses will always be changing. So they're at least a soap opera if they're not a good basketball team. Right. And the reason why I wanted to bring them up is I'm, I've just been thinking about the next experiment, right? Building yeah. a team in the way that they have. They are the ultimate super team. I wrote a piece earlier yeah. this year about player empowerment and how empowerment's not real it doesn't exist because 90% of players are not empowered to do anything right like we have tons of reports about like OG Ananobi being disgruntled and wanting out although I don't believe those reports if they were true he is not James Harden he's just not going to find his way on another team right so the idea that player empowerment is real is not but it's very real for guys like Kyrie Irving and for guys like Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets team is an experiment just always has fascinated me because can teams really be built like this and can they win championships? I don't believe so. In any super team that we see that's been successful at the very least, one of the guys has been there and has established culture. And you yeah. have, you when you bring in LeBron James and Chris Bosh, you're bringing them to Dwayne Wade and Heat culture. Yeah. When you are even teams that have failed, like the Lakers with Gary Payton and Carl Malone, that's still Kobe and Shaq's yeah. team, right? And when they leave, you still have those guys. Whereas the Nets, Katie and Kyrie have no connection to Brooklyn. They yep. they did not, they were not developed there. It's not even just being drafted, but they were not developed there. And you look around and you're like, nobody has ties to this team here. It's very paper mache. And the reason why I wanted to sort of pivot and talk about them in the middle of, of talking about our players and, and doing what this podcast is, which is just talking about internal mm-hmm. growth, is because it's distinctly very different than how the Raptors are building. And although fans get really impatient with the growth and the time that it's going to take guys to get to wherever you need them to be, because Pascal Siakam, we use him a lot, but that's an outlier. <laughs> like yeah. no, one, no one just becomes that in three years. If you watched his growth, it, it, it doesn't make sense to the mind, but we'll talk about him and what he needs to improve on uh, in just a little bit. But I just, I wanted to interrupt us talking about this to focus in on the Nets because I do think there's a juxtaposition here where you see a team built like that, which is kind of like your instant coffee of a team, and it's never going to taste as good as something that's been homebrewed, right? Like it's never going yeah. to taste, it's never going to be as good. And quite often it's going to fail and blow up in your face in a way that the Nets are. And so the Raptors, I think, are kind of the the opposite of the Brooklyn Nets. And so although people are impatient, I just want to say, Give it time, because if you do need a superstar, if you do need your number one player, if you don't think that person exists on the roster currently, that's okay because you built a something. So then hopefully make a DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl for Kawhi Leonard trade, or you know, hopefully yeah. get to a point where you can improve and bring that number one guy. It doesn't just have to be instant success and access to everything right away because that doesn't work. And, and this has proven to work. The Raptors have a championship in the last three years. Yeah, well said. I I, uh, I really like that connection, by the way. I didn't see it at first. Very clever connection. <laughs> and I mean, they are the, they're a baseball team, right? You can build a baseball team out of math. 
you don't need to watch baseball to, to like, it's just, everything is single and discreet. It all happens once you hit the ball, you catch it in basketball. You can't do that. You need to have culture. You need to have, there's, there's so much more to what happens on the court. And for all of Kevin Durant's um, who wants to look at a graph when we're talking about hoop tweet, that was what the Brooklyn Nets were. They were a graph and uh, what they missed. I completely agree with you was in a, uh, uh, representative way, if not a literal way, guys like Champagne. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, it's going to take time to, to get them to fit into the role that you need. Delano is going to, is more of a project than he is a ready NBA player today, yep. but that's sometimes the case. Um, and as we wrap up that conversation of the Brooklyn Nets, I want to just ask one final question because we're still going to hear lots of this. Do you think, because we hear it a ton, the Raptors have so many guys who are redundant. They need to consolidate the talent that they have and make one of these splashy trades. Do you think the Raptors are in a position to do that right now? And, and what is your take on people asking that or, or mentioning that? Yeah. So I think um, I'll start with the second part first. Mm. I think the redundancy in skills isn't true. That's not the same for all types of skills. Like we saw with the Warriors, you can't have too much shooting. Like adding more shooters isn't a bad thing when you already have shooters. Yep, it's a multiplicative. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, which I'm sure Mark Jackson said at some point. Uh, and, you know, something like passing, rim protection, that's all multiplicative. Uh, mid-range scoring seems to have been, we saw with Kamar Rosen, Terrence Ross, uh, Rudy Gay, not, that. that is a redundant skill. And it just so happens the Raptors, Uh, have a skill that we haven't really seen combined a lot before, which is like, I don't know, um, off ball rotations. Is that there? What would you say is redundant? (laughs) That's that's what I keep bringing up. I'm like, well, what, what, what is the skill that we're trying to get rid of? You have too many of what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're all the same size. They're all trying to attack mismatches. Okay. Great that they can do that. That's that's what this team is built for. (laughs) But Siakam's an elite isolation player. Barnes is like an elite transition passer and quick decision maker and post player oh yeah everything oh he's an elite shooter player and shooter i'd say yeah. that right, right? yeah like but it, they all kind of operate in different areas as well exactly Ex- it's that's not exactly a jimmy right. butler bam out of bio situation where it's like oh yeah you guys <laughs> exactly um so uh but at the same time i do think that they have the the assets to make a you know, consolidation trade, if they wanted to, you know, what team is turning their nose up at say a Scotty Barnes, precious that you won picks package. That's, that's like a, a monstrous, you know, package that very few teams could dwarf. Right. And if you add a guy like Kevin Durant to Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, that's a championship caliber team. So I think they have the, 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 uh, skill level in the youngsters to trade away if they wanted. And they have the skill level in the vets to take incoming talent and make them fantastic. But uh, they didn't trade for Kawhi until they gave Kyle and Damar. I, I should years. know seven years. Thank you. I knew I shouldn't know that. And it wasn't even until after game one, after game one, when, when Valanciunas missed the tip in and Ibaka dribbled up, to start the third quarter and got stripped. too soon too soon <laughs> I, I still shouldn't be bringing that up but it, I, I think it wasn't even until that game happened that they were going to get rid of they could have lost to the Cavs without that game I still think they might have given that that squad another run back maybe with a different coach and they just haven't given this team chances right Fred and Pascal have never been healthy in the playoffs together without Kyle because yeah. last year was the only chance you know, Precious might might be a like actually might be a star. We won't find out for a few years. Who knows? Superstar could be, and Scotty Barnes like probably will be in like three four years. And so I think this this ro- roster as it is has at least earned a couple more kicks at the can. I agree. I completely agree with that. And uh, just because I keep hearing people bring up the the idea of a Kevin Durant trade. I think you mentioned what it would have to take to appoint giving up Scotty. This idea, like I just keep hearing it. And I just want to address this right here. Please. You can't, 
Kevin Durant, I get that people think Scotty is untouchable. Kevin Durant is 34. Scotty is 20. You don't have them together because they're not on the same timeline. What team are you building? He's not old enough. He's not ready to be Kevin Durant's running mate. And I don't know that Fred VanVleet is good enough to be Kevin Durant's running mate to guarantee that you are a championship team. I love Fred VanVleet, but I think you need Pascal Siakam on this team if you think that you're going to compete for anything. So I know that people really are like, you can't touch Scotty. And I think that's fair. I I have a lot of hesitancy in the idea of like a 20 year old being traded for a 34 year old who's only played 95 games in the last three years. I wouldn't do that because of that reason, but I just need people to <laughs> recognize you need Pascal on the team if you're trading away, if you're trading for Kevin Durant. Just I'm a tangent. No, I'm, I'm like the biggest Fred fan you'll find. I just, I love, I love I love him so much. He is defensively. He's I, I probably am higher on him than like even Fred Van Vliet himself. <laughs> and uh, I, I was betting on Fred from day like four. Blake was betting on Fred from day zero. He knew before he even joined the team how good he was. It took me a little bit to get there. But even I recognize that at this point, I think last year might have been the first uh, time where it was so clear, but Pascal really is much more ready to be the, the, the core of a playoff contending team than Fred is. And that's fine. That's, you know, without any disrespect to Fred, who is a deserving exactly. all-star. That, yeah. That was no disrespect to Fred Van Vliet and more just like, do we watch the whole NBA season that Pascal had? You need that guy on your team. It's just, it's, uh, Pascal is great. And I want to, I want to move forward to, to talking about the growth from these guys now. Um, yeah. And the idea of consolidating them. I agree. I agree with everything that you said there. Masai Ujiri gave the Kyle Lowry, the, and DeMar DeRozan, the We the North era team, a lot of time. He was very patient with them and can just continue to build around that team and yep. fix the holes that they needed. You needed shooting, brought that in. You needed defense, brought that in. Um, and it just seems too early to give up on this team. And I think you mentioned it there. Precious can be a star. Yeah. Um, Scotty, we hope, is going to be a star. Give them a couple of years. Fred and Pascal are going to be 30. They're not going to be that old. Like, OG is going to be hitting his prime at 27. That's your window. Yeah. If it doesn't work after that, that's when you start moving pieces. That's when you start finding things. You, this team is not old. You just have to be patient and give them a little runtime, guys. Um, so I completely agree with that. But let's talk about some of the growth there. And I'm going to start off with Chris Boucher. Now, Chris Boucher is not guaranteed a Raptor next season. But fingers crossed that he does stay. Do you think, first of all, that he will stay? Um, like, are you are yeah. you on the optimistic side? And what would you like to see from him next season? And why is it exactly what he brought this year? <laughs> no, I was, okay, <laughs> took my answer. Uh, I think he means a lot more to the Raptors than he would to other teams. Um, in a way, like Bobby Portis to Milwaukee. Um, you know, he may, and I, I try not to say he is worth this amount of money to a team. But just to illustrate the point, I think Boucher might be worth something like 15, let's just say ballpark, $15 million to the Raptors. And I doubt any other team would actually have that worth attached to him. And it's because his rim protection is best as a secondary guy, help side guy, which is not what most teams want from someone who's like uh, four or five. And yet for the Raptors, that's perfect. You know, his shooting is, is not wonderful. Uh, His driving is not wonderful. And yet his offense is absolutely crucial to the Raptors because of his offensive rebounding, his cutting. Uh, and, and so I, I think uh, his market will probably be less than it should. Uh, he deserves more than I think he'll get, unfortunately for him. Uh, he also had a really bad stretch of last season, which teams look at that matters to yeah. other, other general managers. Um, but what it, what he means to the Raptors is, I mean, there was no one doing what he did in even as far as the playoffs. When uh, Scotty Barnes was injured, he was the only guy that was just trying to dunk on people. Yeah. No one else on the Raptors even has the um, the intent. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just cramming it in someone's teeth beyond Boucher and Barnes. And that matters so much for the Raptors. His, his offensive rebounding, you know, he cut so much off of Barnes, actually. I think uh, for him to be critical, to be crucial, to come back, all, it, all they need is to resign him. Like you said, you know, if, if he gets better at shooting, great. That's unbelievable. But he doesn't need that to be really important. Last year was his best year as a Raptor, and it was one of his worst years as a shooter. Yeah. And someone that I think that people are a little bit too low on, guy that I kind of like on this team is Ken Birch. Um, and he'll be here next season. W- what are your thoughts on what he needs to bring next year to hopefully, you know, if your rookie isn't ready, be the sort of big in a more traditional lineup that the Raptors throw out? I'm hoping knee health. Yeah. And it's hard because he hasn't had knee health for a long enough time that it might be a fairy tale for it to come true, which is really sad Um, because at his healthiest, he's actually an enormously athletic player, Yeah, really strong, great horizontal speed. Uh, You know, his ability to blow up plays as a drop big is actually really underrated. We just haven't been able to see it, you know, barring um, fits and spurts. Uh, which is unfortunate. So I think at, at, at the absolute lowest, he's an innings eater. You know, he'll play 15 minutes a game. He'll hit the offensive glass and you'll survive with him out there. Um, but he's not going to be a really positive, productive player for the Raptors unless he returns to health. I completely agree. Um, and what are your thoughts on that sort of corner three-point shooting? He didn't do it at all in Orlando, but we did see him sort of try it out. If I remember correctly, it feels like more so in Tampa than last yeah. season, and that's because of health. Um, but what are your thoughts? Do you think that he has that in his game? Is that something that you would like to see more from? <laughs> it's funny. Um, when he first came to Toronto, he said, I was in a box in, in Orlando for so long. They, they didn't let me try anything. And in Toronto, they say, do this, do that, try this. Within a year, they were saying, try nothing. No more shooting, no more dribbling, no more post moves, which sucks. They put them right back in the same box. I don't think it's health. I think it's the coach saying, look, this is what you're good at. Just do that. Um, So no, I I don't think shooting is going to be a thing we expect from Kemp Birch. Fair enough. But let's talk about the Raptors, uh, the greatest shoot three-point shooter on the Raptors. I'm so sorry, Fred Van Vliet. Still need you to take 10 threes a game. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend, my favorite human being of all time, Precious Achua. <laughs> yes. Uh, what does he need? I don't know, minutes? Like, we saw him stop James Harden in isolation. We saw him stop Joel Embiid in the post. We saw him drive past rotation and bang on someone. Oh, uh, talking about people who want to dunk in your face. uh, I forgot, Precious. Uh, And he did all three of those things in the same game. The number of guys who can do that is is like, what, five in the entire NBA? Uh, Like, it is crazy how good he could be. And he is enormously inconsistent. Of course he is. 
He makes ridiculous choices all the time. Of course he does. That means absolutely nothing to me, right? He's so young and he's had so little time on an NBA court. Just give the guy minutes and see what happens. Because in the playoffs, he was in maybe four games, three games. He was one of Toronto's best two or three players. He was just unbelievable for the Raptors in the playoffs. And a guy who can do that is a guy you you just have to see what he becomes. So minutes, I'm not asking for any individual skill because it seems like he's already elite at everything. He just needs to practice it so he gets more consistent. My favorite thing about Parshas Achua is I don't think I've ever seen a shot hit rim, at least like not twice in a game. It's an air ball or it's a swish. (laughs) It's one or the other, Yes, uh, which is so great. And I, all year, like no matter who I'm talking to in front of a microphone, I have to say, like I have a niece who's a toddler. She's now three. And I'm like, last season, she was all two. And I'm like, my two-year-old niece, every time I see her, she grows into more of a human being and like can say more things and like do more things. And I'm like, you can do that now? And that's exactly how I feel every time I turn on the television yes. and watching Precious Ochoa. I'm just like, wait, what? Um, and something that, that you know, has been made, um, people were making a lot of last season at the very least was, yes, he shot fairly well from the three-point line in the second half of the season, best two-point shooter of all time. Um, in the words of Max Kellerman, I want Ochoa. But um, his finishing, not yeah. great. Uh, we saw him finish over a beat in the playoffs, take him yeah. off the dribble. Like we saw him do things. He just grows every single day. What are your thoughts on, on Precious Achua's finishing? What do you think the, the limitations are there? Why does he finish as, as, you know, as great as Fred Van Fleet, who is almost a foot shorter than him there? For a time, toddlers uh, can't walk, uh, just like you said. And when they try to walk, they fall right over. But then one day they stand up and they have perfect balance. And one day, uh, Precious Chua just jumped off of two feet. He he got thin in midair, which he never used to do. And he sort of switched to his left and finished. I remember this exact layup. And then he was just like an 80% finisher at the rim from then on. <laughs> now, it was, it was very late in the season. Yeah. And so his finishing numbers were actually putrid because he spent so much of the season not knowing how to walk. But he has that ability, barring some forgetting how to balance himself in midair which was crazy he figured it out so quickly and just didn't yeah but I mean it seems to me like he's already a very good finisher despite what the numbers said over the totality of last year I appreciate you continuing my my toddler my toddler analogy because I bring it up every time people are like you're calling this man a two-year-old I'm like but it's a compliment (laughs) two-year-olds are superheroes which is the thing here (laughs) they learn at a rate that humans can't even comprehend adult humans and that's what precious achua did it is a compliment calling someone a toddler it really is it really is and i want to talk about some of the starters and i do believe precious can find his way into this group i think the raptors quite often i mentioned it earlier they like to have a bunch of starter level players you know and that can be chris boucher that can be precious achua hopefully that can be um you know someone who can face a forward guard i don't know anything else you can add into this rotation, but that's what the Raptors do. Pretty flexible with it, but let's focus on who the main starting five was last season, which Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. Do we start with everybody's favorite, Scotty, or do we save do him it. for the end? Let's start with Scotty. All right. Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. What does he need to improve on to be our MVP next season? Like just yeah. uh, Okay, so uh, I have two answers for this. One is the unrealistic answer, which is to be MVP. And the other is the realistic answer. Okay. Um, So the realistic answer is on-ball defense. Um, His off-ball defense was miserable to start the year and very, very good to end the year. Um, By the Philly series, he was making the right rotation almost every time. Um, I have no qualms. I think there's very little improvement to make there. He actually, by the way, uh, uh, second spectrum stat here, he led the league in closeouts, uh, which is insane for a rookie. That's uh, and also uh, so the I'm Raptors had uh, like five or something in the top. Tw- they had they just closed out a lot more than everyone. He also so like, was the most not a redundancy, guys. Exactly, <laughs> that's where it's a redundancy. You guys have too many closers on defense, so you guys can yeah. close out the guys too quickly. Actually, he also was more efficient than the like when he yeah. closed out. The other team scored less than when Siakam closed out or OG, which is insane. I think on right. ball defense is where he needs to improve still. He still got blown by. He tried to dig into guys and just 
let guards go past him, um, which is what Siakam does, but he's such a quick twitch athlete that he can just stick with anyone. Whereas OG, um, you know, lets people sort of get there and he beats them to their spot, similar to Precious. And I think that is the type of on-ball defender where Scotty Barnes could have more success. The unrealistic answer is shooting, right? If he just becomes a 40% shooter, then yeah, maybe he is MVP, right? I mean, hey, I feel like that's going to be the answer for a lot of these guys, yes. uh, which <laughs> if we can get to the point or a couple of these players hit as 40% shooters, can we talk about just the Raptors winning every single championship from here on out? Because how do you stop that team? Um, yep. <laughs> and so we have Gary Trent Jr. that I want to focus in on. Gary, I find, is is kind of a polarizing player, and I'm not sure why he was exactly what the Raptors needed. They need someone who can create for themselves. Mm-hmm. They need some. They need a, a score who can operate in the mid range. They need a guy like Gary Trent Jr. He slots in perfectly in this team, and I think it's because a lot of people see his talent as more replacement level as opposed to some of the other guys. I want to know what your thoughts are on that, but also, what do you what would you like Gary to bring next season? Um, he's still so young, still growing, and we saw him improve on defense. I think he led the league in deflections for at least half the season yeah. last year. So um, let me throw it to you. What are your thoughts on, on Gary? Yeah. So he was in a, uh, a very easy spot for an yeah. NBA player, which is just get the ball, toss it up at the room. Guys love that. How many people get to have that role? <laughs> um, but at the same time, he was phenomenal in it. You know, he, he did, like you said, he was everything the Raptors needed. He scored in isolation. He hit shots off the catch and the pull-up. You know, he, he danced in mid-range. He hit late clock bombs. He was really, really good at his role. To improve, I think what he needs is finishing. Yeah. He was a really putrid finisher around the room. Um, not just statistically, but like eye test. He often went for weird hook shots because he doesn't have the, the burst or the physicality to sort of get to his spot. He can't jump over people. He can't quick around them and he can't bump them off their line. So we just ended up throwing up these weird hook shots that only ever works for Pascal Siakam. And it just was really bad. And so what he needs to add, I think is a lot of muscle. He's not going to jump out of the gym. That's just not who he is. He's not going to become Usain Bolt when he's driving with the ball, but he could become Uh, you know, a really strong upper body guy like Kyle Lowry who bumps guys on the ground and then two foot finishes. I think he could improve his finishing, um, not dramatically like Giannis level, but he could be an average finisher, which would open up so much for him because right now guys are saying, please drive, like by all means, drive the basketball. And I can count on two hands the number of times that he made them pay for that. And it was awesome when he did. But if he does it a lot more, he would be such a better player. Hear that, Gary? We need you as a three-level score next season. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi. Every team wants him. He is the like sort of quintessential three and D glue guy type player. The Raptors have him. No, 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 boo boo. You guys are not going to get him. <laughs> what would you like to see him add to his game next season? Pull up shooting. So not just shooting, I can't just say shooting, but specifically catch and shoot shooting. He is more or less a 40% shooter over his career. Oh, gee, with the pull-up game, I'm just thinking about that. Oh yeah, it would be crazy. I mean, they tried to funnel him the ball for pull-up shots with Siakam out. And he was very good at all sorts of things, but he he made like a quarter of his pull-up shots, which is statistically what he's done his whole career, about 25% pull-up shooter, uh, which is terrible like just awful and uh i've talked with samson folk a little bit about this so uh, this is his idea what i'm saying i think um or he thought um you know just physically his body doesn't seem to work very well when he steps into shots the one dribble pull up his release looks funky Mm. whereas his step backs are, are always aesthetically more appealing and i think that's because of his length he's just he is the longest raptor non Boucher category. Um, cause Boucher is like the longest player in the league. Um, and so I think there's something, I mean, Samson could explain this much better than me, but there's something to his body that might limit his pull-up game. But what that means is take more step backs, right? When yeah. he's in the mid range, he settled a lot for two dribble pull-ups, make that into a two dribble step back for three. I think that could improve his game a lot. 
Uh, and also that actually uh, makes a lot of sense as yeah. I'm sort of processing it in my head. That makes a lot of sense. Good. I'm glad. And yeah. also, I mean, some touches would be nice. They sort of took them all away, but part of that is um, the Raptors just don't have any shooters. And yeah. so he was so they needed him to stand in the corner because no one else could. And if they just got a couple other guys who could stand in the corner, then he'd be allowed to touch the ball. It's not a criticism of him that he's not allowed to touch the ball. It's actually a criticism of everybody else, but I'm sure it's hard to sell his agent on that. It's very difficult to convince an agent of that, but just get some shooters and then he'll get some ISO touches. I promise. Um, okay. I like that from OG, some pull-up shooting. Honestly, he would be, oof, that would be nice. Um, and, and, and Fred Van Vliet, what about a guy like Fred Van Vliet? First time all-star, he was absolutely spectacular in the first half of the season. And unfortunately, you can't play a guy 44 minutes a night and expect some wear and tear to not happen. So we didn't get, you know, uh, um, we got an injured Fred for the second half of the season. I believe it's just health. But outside of that, what else are you looking for uh, Fred to add? So I've said this before, but a floater. <laughs> Yeah. He is not going to become a good finisher. I have reconciled myself to that. Uh, that's life. I mean, when he's healthy, every once in a while, he has like a six for eight game at the rim. And he's doing these up and unders, like N1 mixtape moves. You're like, oh my God, he's finishing now, finally. But he's had what, like five of those games in his entire career? I've, I'm, It's okay. I've accepted the fact he's not going to become a great finisher. Fine. In that case... He could be a great floater player. He, I mean, he has touch. We see it in his, in his free throws, especially he has, you know, when he misses free throws, they still roll in. And you see that a lot of the best touch players, they can miss a free throw and it still drips into the net. And, and that means he should be able to have both hands, you know, that six to eight foot floater game. I think he shot what, like four in the start of the year last year. Yeah. He missed them all. He was like, can I swear? No, I'm not going to do it. And he's like, I, I'm not going to do it. Fine. I'll go away from the floater. Dude, why? Just take more floaters. I know you practice them. I see you practicing them. You obviously wouldn't have taken them in the game if you hadn't practiced them and made them. He needs that, I think, to go to the next level because teams right now, just like for Gary, they're saying, please drive, do something yeah. to hurt us. And if he could just add that floater, it would open up his passing game. It would open up more shooting. I think it would really revolutionize the court. Unfortunately, I think he knows that. Well, I know he knows that. And so there's a reason why he didn't go to the floater. He is a brilliant NBA guy. Like, he's just a genius. Yeah. And so I, uh, I would love to talk to him. Maybe next time we're allowed in the locker room, I will. Um, but please, just take some floaters. Make some floaters. Yeah, and I remember him. I like. I feel like he was taking them early on. I remember me and Amit having a conversation on this uh, yeah. when we were doing the Friday views, where we were like, "He's taking them. Finally, we know that yeah. we need this from him." And and then that just completely disappeared, and it was just not a thing brought up. Um, and also like just ten threes a game as a forty percent shooter. I just forgot to criticize any other point of this game, right? Um, so but it's good. actually, it's so, it's, it's interesting as we're talking about this team, we're talking about Precious, we're talking about Gary, we're talking about Fred and their inability to finish. And then we're talking about, you know, guys like Pascal and <laughs> Chris Boucher or just the whole team and their lack of shooting yeah. there as well. It's kind of um, how this Raptors team is really All um, the shooters can't finish and all the finishers the finisher can't, can't shoot. shoot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly which is like they the heat i keep bringing them up in this club but like for a while it was all their defenders can't shoot and all their um shooters, shooters couldn't defend, defend. Yeah. um and to, to close this off on the raptors in terms of the improvement i i think at least okay i want to hear what your answer is i'm not going to ruin it you're my guest what does pascal siakam need to bring we're talking about all nba for the second time in his career should have been another all-star absolutely spectacular season proved all of his doubters wrong. Yep. I think he's going to need to come back and do that again at the start of the season. This is also, I keep saying it, the first off season for real that he's going to get since the championship, yep. um, which also was a truncated off season because he just won a championship. <laughs> what would you like uh, Pascal Siakam to bring? Yes. So um, there are almost no holes in this game. He is preposterously complete as a player right now on both ends. Uh, which is not true of uh, very many NBA players. And so my, my answer is going to be a little bit cheating. 
because he already is very good as a catch and shoot shooter. He shot something like 37%, which is um, about the same as OG Ananobi last year. Uh, Like really good catch and shoot three point shooter above average. Uh, So just take a few more. And I know he can't because he has to initiate every play. And when he's not initiating, he is the screener. And when he's not the screener, he has to be in the dunker spot because he's the only guy who can finish. Like he did everything for them. So please, Nick, just let Pascal chill sometimes and just catch the ball and shoot some threes. Like just, he needs something to be easy for him. He had, he led the league in isolations last year. Mm -hmm. He led the league in minutes last year. He was, I think, second in the league in closeouts last year. He had one of the largest burdens of any NBA season I've ever seen. Coming off of shoulder surgery, I I have no words. You know, in the same way we described Precious Achua's um, improvement, it was that same level of super-powered consistency last year. And so I would ask for him to just take a step back I know he yeah. can do all that, but someone else needs to help him out. Someone else needs to initiate and let the guy chill. I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's fair. And I wanted to ask you this because <laughs> my answer would be if we go back and I'm trying to pull up the numbers here, but guys, I'm on a 10 year old laptop. It's not going to happen <laughs> for me. Um, I was trying to uh, pull up his numbers Speaking of pull up, pull up his numbers from yep. the 2020 season and his pull up shooting. Yes, was good. He was like it was like league four, average. It was like 34. Yeah, like it was yeah. it was passable three pull up shooting, and we he had an off season to work on his shot, and he was able to integrate that into his game. I think Pascal next season, because you talked about him completely, just like a complete player, if he can add pull up shooting. Because yeah. we know he's going to have the ball in his hands. We know that Nick Nurse is not going to hear your cries, just like he's not going to hear mine to play Fred less minutes. Um, what do you think a Pascal Siakam looks yeah. like as a pull-up shooter? So he, I mean, he was a pull-up shooter last year, just a pull-up two-point shooter. He yes, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> for sure. like he took so many step back twos, Yeah, which is on one hand, you know, it's like the one shot. It's like, what are you doing? But for the Raptors, they desperately, every time he took it, you said, actually, before I finish that sentence, so to start the year, mm-hmm. um, in on media day, they asked, uh, I, f- I forget who it was, who asked Fred to define the, the guy, because there was all this talk about Pascal wanted to be the guy, and that's what, exactly, that's why he got in that tiff with Nick Nurse. And, and Fred, um, Pascal said, you know, I, I, I don't care about that. Next question is a good teammate. Fred said D- to define the guys, you take any shot, you take 40 shots a game. Your coach doesn't blink. Uh, and we saw that last year. He took all of these shots that are statistically the worst shot in the game, but not only did his coach not blink, the fans didn't, blink. no one could criticize it because that's what they needed. And so if he, and he was quite good. I mean, he was like a low 41% from long two, which is actually like in the big picture of the offense, that's bad. You know, you generally score better than that from anywhere, but for that specific shot, that's actually very good. Right. And if he just did that from three, then we're looking at what, like Kawhi Leonard, like that would be insane. Like like how insane would he be? Yeah. Uh, it is preposterous. Can and we so, get Pascal an MVP? Is this my new agenda? Sorry, Precious, <laughs> you're going to have to wait until next season. I've, I've transferred my agenda to Pascal. Well, that's just what MVP Joel Embiid is, right? Joel yeah. Embiid is just Pascal with a step back three. No, there's they're different. No, he, he, don't quote he's me he's a different that. player. We're, we're, you know what? It's fine. We're taking it. We're taking it. You, we're taking you it. took and a also, second to think. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Pascal with that. We're, we're legitimately talking about a superstar yeah. here. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's already a superstar, I think. I'm talking instead top of, five MVP yes. finishing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I, I agree with that. When I said he is a complete player, the one hole, and it's not that big a hole, all things told, but the one hole is exactly what you're saying. Pull up three points. This is really exciting. So I want to ask you, we're going to just sort of pivot. We've gone through the entire team. What are your thoughts? And I'm not going to ask you to predict next season. I'm not a crazy person. It is 
literally June. <laughs> we we're, we like the Golden State Warriors have not even finished celebrating their championship. But without having like a prediction for wins or win totals or anything like that, what do you project this team looks like next season? Do you think that they're just bringing in the same guys? Do you think that they're going to be active uh, around the sort of making trades and making moves? You kind of talked about their hands kind of being tied. They only really have the MLE to work with. Um, and they're hoping to bring back Chris Boucher and Thaddeus Young, who I didn't even mention uh, on today's pod. What are your thoughts that the Raptors do this offseason? And, and what do you think this team looks like heading into next year? I think they do very little. <laughs> I'm hoping for Lonnie Walker, mid-level exception guy. Uh, the Spurs didn't offer on him uh, or didn't extend the qualifying offer, which makes him unrestricted. My hopes stay alive. Um, because like I said, they just need someone who can go dunk on someone and that dude yeah. can fly. Uh, but White what Walker they look- reunited in the Atlantic division. Yeah, My exactly. favorite nickname is White Walker. I think that that yeah. was great. And they should still be on the same team just for that. Which was also the the game of zones that was Kawhi Leonard when he came to Toronto, also from yeah. San Antonio. There's a okay. game of zones episode redux. Okay, but what they look like, I think, is going to be a run it back of just ugly, disgusting, putrid basketball. I think they're going to give Pascal Siakam the ball like 80 times a game. He is going to somehow carry them to a mediocre offense. Fred Van Vliet is going to shoot every three he can, and he's going to be amazing at it. And I think everything else is going to be fill in the blanks, fill in the gaps. Uh, I think 2023-24 is probably the year that Scotty starts taking a lot of the weight, shifting what the aesthetic texture of the offense is. Uh, and I think next year is is the the last of the in between years where they ask Pascal to just please please carry us, um, and I think he will he will carry them, but don't expect it to look good. Thank you so much for joining me. I feel I feel like people should feel optimistic about this. I know talking about their free what they can do in free agency and the fact that they're not going to be doing very much has a little fans angsty, but I think this team has a lot of. Um, internal growth and we discussed it today thank you so much Lewis for joining me please tell everybody where they can find all of your great work yeah so I um, uh, freelance at 538 uh, have a piece coming up there probably within a week or two I'd say about seven footers which is exciting Um, right at Raptors Republic uh, and elsewhere as well Uh, thank you so much this has been such a pleasure I'm so glad we finally got got it to work Me too. And thank you everyone for listening. And once again, don't forget, like, subscribe, share with everybody. Thank you guys. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.